Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. Listening to 90.7 FM KALX. I'm Franklin, and this is Berkeley Rocks. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. Coming up on today's show, we'll be discussing current developments in the world of science. In addition, we're joined by Dr. Veronica Tone, who will discuss dream interpretation. Also, we'll find out how heavy heavy water is. So stay tuned for all this, plus the world famous question of the week coming right up here on Berkeley Rocks. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. How you doing, Frank? Not too bad. How about you, Charles? I'm I'm doing great. Last week. Last week. And the week before that. And the week before that. And many more to come. Until until the people rise up and actually wheel us out of this room and say we've had enough science. We know it all. <laughs> we grok it. Yes. And if that actually happens, I'd hope they'd fill us in on actually what's going on. Wow. But until that time, I guess we could fill them in on what's going on with endangered species on various continents. You think you're going extinct, Charles? <laughs> there, I think I'm the only one left of my kind. Oh man, you got to yeah. propagate yourself a bit. Look, I'm trying. It's not like I'm not trying, but I'm having difficulties. Anyway, so I might actually have made this thing called the Red List. Not the Black List. Or the Black Book, which I apparently have lost or actually never had. But the Red List is apparently uh, released by the World Conservation Union, IUCN, Mm -hmm. and it basically lists the most threatened species on the planet. Oh, okay. And it's interesting because a number of plant species have now been added to the list, 85 plant species and 35 types of snail have been added to this list on the Galapagos Islands and in Hawaii. So it's interesting because this list keeps growing, and they've already named a number of plants that have gone extinct now. Mm -hmm. In particular, this thing called the St. Helena Olive seems to have gone extinct just recently. Oh, too bad. Well, the leaves of the last known tree on the South Atlantic island of St. Helena have withered and died. Oh, man. Apparently, most of the extinctions are due to human activity because of introduced wildlife to these environments. Oh, okay. Man, we really suck, huh? (laughs) Apparently so. So the list keeps growing, and uh, they say the situation is just worsening. And based on their look at the plants, it seems as if the situation is not good. So, so are they worried that this loss of diversity could lead to future problems where we don't have the right new drugs or new genes to adapt for uh, future generations? Oh, well, I think that is that is the big worry behind it all. It's that drug discovery comes from natural products. Right. So if we destroy all these drugs, who knows Ooh. what's going to happen. But at least this is another warning sign, another indication that we just need to take a look for things. Right. So are they trying to uh, influence some policy in terms of... Uh, wildlife protection here? This uh, union, the World Conservation Union, is definitely involved in that, and this list that they issue every year serves to uh, be a reminder of what's going on Mm -hmm. in the environment. If anyone's interested in this, actually, they can take a look in a recent edition of Nature. (laughs) 
I got one word for you, Charles. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. No. Plastics. 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 I, I've heard plastics will uh, take off one day here. Revolutionize the world. Uh, so you can add one more a good plastic to the list. Okay. Lampposts made from plastic. Don't we already have lampposts made from plastics? I don't think so. Most oh. of them are uh, metal or oh, concrete okay. or one of those well, stuff. It's about time, then, that we have lampposts made from plastics. Plastics make it all possible. Apparently, this is a very serious issue in Europe. and probably should be serious here, too, but they're undertaking an initiative to a place their lampposts in Europe with plastics. Why is that? Turns out every year thousands of people crash into these lampposts <laughs> and several hundred die simply because the lampposts are, are very good. hard yeah. and when you crash, just the impact is just too great. So if uh, you get some material to absorb some of the shock, it'll help more people to uh, survive through this ordeal. Right. Are they crashing into it just because they're drunk or what's going on? Uh, various reasons. Okay. Drunk, falling asleep. Maybe we should just deal with that. Attack. Why don't we deal with that problem first and, <laughs> right. then, and then move on to the lampposts. Right. There's it's actually a European Union uh, standard, EN 12767, which is trying to uh, mandate these new lampposts. Okay. So we'll have, like, giant Tupperware lampposts down the street. Oh, it most likely will be some sort of composite, something yeah. that will have some uh, metallic or ceramic component to it. So it'll be hard, but when you hit it, it'll be flexible enough to absorb the shock okay. and break at the right places. Oh, nice. I look forward to seeing that and crashing into one and surviving. Yeah. So if anyone wants to know more, this is called the Thermopole Project, and uh, you can find it on the web. Well, have I got one word for you, my friend. What? West Nile virus. That's three, man. Okay, I guess I can't count. Is this thing going extinct? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently it has mutating forms. Ooh, has that nasty habit of uh, surviving, huh? Yes. A group of researchers in Mexico have seen that there's a different form of West Nile virus circulating in Mexico than there is in the United States. I love diversity. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, but it suggests that, in fact, the uh, situation in Mexico may be different or at least even more complicated than it is in the United States hmm. because of this particular form of West Nile virus. Right. This summer, Mexico had declared a state of emergency after blood testing horses suggested that the virulent form of West Nile virus had in fact crossed into the U.S. border. It's not really clear right now where the uh, West Nile virus is coming from, if it is in fact derived from this horse virus in Mexico. But mm -hmm. the fact that we have these two different forms is suggesting that we have to look a little more closely at what types of viruses are circulating in the environment. So are they worried that this could also indicate, say, mutations in other diseases like SARS or Ebola? Yeah, I mean, didn't they just find that when the SARS epidemic was coming out that there was a mutated form in Canada? Something? Right. So, I mean, it's a big issue, even suggest for people who are trying to develop vaccines for these. Right, bit of a challenge. Yeah, the researchers are certainly looking into it quite actively, in fact, as a recent edition of The Emerging Infectious Diseases, Volume 9, points out. So, Charles, what's your favorite subatomic particle? Got to be the boson. Boson. The boson. For those bozos out there, right? You got to love anything that starts with boson. Yeah. Well, it turns out there's something even more charming. Okay. The double D meson, which is composed of charm quarks. So okay. quarks are particles smaller than uh, the neutrons and protons, which are composed right. of these quarks. Different kinds, right? Up, down, up. range, charm. Yeah. So there's new evidence to suggest that the way these quarks can uh, associate themselves is being challenged by this recent discovery. 
Mystery. Apparently they have a new type of matter, is that what they're saying? Right. What they were trying to find is a particular type of meson that composed of a charm and a anti-charm quark, but uh. instead they detected something that was a charm and a charm, and this has never been observed or predicted before. This discovery seems to put some doubts into the current theories of how these quarks rearrange themselves and the masses that are a result of that. That's kind of interesting, because it seems like every now and then they keep uh, finding different states of matter that seem to contradict the standard Right. Theory. I guess it's not a complete theory yet. There's some work to be done. I thought quarks had to be in pairs of three, though, in order to... Well, so baryons are the ones that are in pairs of threes, and those are the protons and neutrons. I but see. But you can also have some other exotic types which exist under extreme conditions that we don't have here on the planet. I see. Unless yeah, you have a collider or something, which okay. is uh, exactly what they did. Are they are they looking for other types of particles then? Well, since these results are preliminary, they're trying to repeat these experiments to see if they can detect these uh, mysterious particles again and see uh, if the theory has to be okay. uh, changed or not. You know, any good theory should be revised every now and then. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is work carried out by a group in Scuba, Japan, and also Gary Bauer at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And that's all for a look at recent developments in the world of science and technology. You're listening to Berkeley Rocks only here on 90.7 FM, KALX. Coming up next, Dr. Veronica Tone will join us to discuss the meaning of dreams as presented in her book, Every Dream Interpreted. So stay tuned. to Berkeley Grox, only here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, we spend roughly one-third of our lives sleeping and part of that dreaming. Dreams have a potent way of both reflecting and affecting our daily lives. But what are the sources of our dreams? And more importantly, what do they mean? Well, fortunate today to have in the studio Dr. Veronica Tone, a renowned dream expert who will be talking about some of these issues. Dr. Tone is no stranger to Berkeley, having received her PhD here at UC Berkeley in the Department of Psychology. She is currently a lecturer at UC Santa Cruz and the author of a new book, Every Dream Interpreted. Uh, Dr. Tone, thank you very much for joining us today on Berkeley Grox. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, you've certainly written a very fascinating book, Every Dream Interpreted. Uh, I'm just curious if you can tell us first uh, how you come to write this book and was or sort of some of the issues that are trying to be established in this book? Well, I've been studying dreams since 1982, and I actually came to Berkeley and did my dissertation on dream uh, research here. And then this particular book came after two prior books, and I was actually approached and asked to write it by the publisher 
the the book seems to go into uh, what some dreams mean and how we can interpret them. I'm just curious, what are, what are some of the current ideas about where our dreams come from and what they mean? It's an interesting question. It's not a question that's been answered, like in a lot of questions about psychology. We don't really know, for instance, why we actually dream. We know they come from the brain, of course, but yeah. we don't actually know what the physiological purpose is. There seems to be one because all of us dream, and if we don't you know, have a period where we do dream, then we tend to have many more dreams the next time we fall asleep. Um, they seem to have some kind of restorative purpose for the brain. Psychologically, why we seem to dream seems to have something to do with being able to balance our emotional lives, what we're aware of and what we're not. And when you're not, when you're out of balance emotionally, that can affect your effectiveness in the world, which may actually have some kind of survival capacity that's evolved over time. I see. And if people who are, uh, say, deprived of sleep, how do they, uh, I guess, behave after sleep deprivation? So sleep is very, very important. So people actually can, can hallucinate. Um, they can become delusional. Typically, what will happen for people is that when they do finally get some sleep, they have almost constant REM sleep. So they have almost constant dreams after they're finally able to get to sleep. So we know certainly sleep is important and there's something specific about dreaming that also seems to be very important too. I see. I see. I think I'd read at some point that it was important for uh, consolidation of memories. Yeah, that's one idea about dreaming. And actually that is something that happens early in the night. People tend to have dreams that are related to their sort of current concerns. And then in the middle of the night, they tend to have dreams that are related more to the far distant past. And then towards the time of waking up, they have dreams that that tend to sort of consolidate those two. And psychologically, then, dreams mean to us or are are important for us in terms of our general psychological function. Um, I really feel strongly that they're very important for keeping us in touch with our actual genuine feelings, because one finding that I and others have found at this point is that people behave in dreams pretty much the same way that they do in their lives. They dream about what they're preoccupied with, and they dream about what they're doing when they're awake. For instance, you probably have dreams that you're in here in the studio and interviewing people and things at times. But we feel very differently. So, for instance, if we feel like during the day we're pretty happy, easygoing people, our dreams are likely to actually be filled with other kinds of emotions that we may not be as aware of. So it seems to me that what happens in dreams is the feelings that are released or expressed in dreams are things that we really need to take a look at in terms of if we're aware of them when we're awake. They also do tend to show a lot about what your current concerns are, the way in which you feel about other people and yourself and the world in general. And then also, I think a really important thing these days is that, you know, we're fed imagination now through the media. We're not really given a lot of opportunity in our day-to-day lives to exercise our imagination. Most of us aren't. And dreams are pure, you know, imagination. They're pure creations. It's as if, you know, we're producing a movie every single night all on our own. It's just completely self-created and instantly created. And just that exercise of being able to do that and finding out what it is that you do populate your dream world and your imaginal world with is really, I think, important today for us. Indeed. I, I think you do mention in the book that many artists and, uh, and scientists, in fact, were inspired by a good portion of their dreams in terms of their imagination. Right. I've got an, a few stories in this book about that. Quite a lot of artists and also scientists and certainly writers use their dreams quite a lot. People who are in creative fields certainly do in obvious ways, but even you know entrepreneurs, business people also use them. So is there any particular way that uh, then we can use our dreams or uh, look at them, harness them, and use them, I guess, for creative purposes? Yeah, I really feel it's relatively easy to start interpreting your own dreams. It's, it's most helpful if you have somebody else to bounce them off of, and that also is really good for creating good relationships with your friends and things like that. It can be entertaining, certainly, <laughs> even if you don't interpret them just to tell the stories to each other. Right. But there's one thing that I advocate to people who are just starting out looking at their dreams, and that is to make sure that, that they're remembering as many dreams as they can and recording as many dreams as they can. And I actually have tips 
for how to do that on my website and also in the book. My website's Dr. Tone, D-R-T-O-N-A-Y.com. Uh, and then once you have a number of dreams, more than one really, but several dreams, try to look and see if you see a theme that recurs across the dream series. And usually that's not that hard to find. So you have a particular locale or you have a particular person that keeps popping up or you have a particular emotion that keeps occurring across the dream series. And look and see what you're doing when it occurs, what your response is to it, and whether or not that's something that's going on in your life at the moment, because generally it is something that's going on in your life in the moment. If you're having a specific problem, problem, you can look to see if you had a problem in a dream, how did you approach it? Did you do something in the dream differently than you would do in waking life? Can you try what you did in the dream to solve your problems in waking life, even if they deal with different scenarios? Oftentimes, the way of problem solving in dreams is different than the way in which we try to solve problems in waking life, and and they can be very useful that way. Are are there any particular uh, common themes that keep running up, have you found, in people's dreams? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, actually, you know, one of the other things about dreams that I really love is that people all over the world, no matter where they live, have very similar themes in their dreams. And there's been a lot of research on dream content now, starting way back in the 1800s and early 1900s in in tribes that had not been visited by the West. And so we really do have have a sense that dreams are pretty universal in many ways. And, you know, there are... The most common dream that we have all over the world is the dream of being chased. It's the number one dream that we have. Um, another common dream that people report these days, and maybe they always have, is the dream of having one's teeth fall out, which is something I always get asked when I'm on call-in radio shows. What does it mean? I dream my, feet, my teeth are falling out, which can be, you know, you need to go to the dentist and you're concerned about it. And sometimes it's associated with having like a recent loss of face or feeling that you've been embarrassed recently. There's also the dream of having a person change into another person. That happens commonly. So you're in a relationship and in your dream, you dream that you're with your ex who's kind of sort of your current person. That's a very common one, which indicates some confusion about who this other person really is in your life. Is it your ex? Are they going to do what your ex did? Is it the new person? All of that. Right. I think another common dream is falling. Is that related to being chased? Yeah, actually, falling is a common dream. And, you know, it happens often when people are first falling asleep. It's actually not quite a real dream at that time. It's in the period that's called hypnagogic imagery, where a person's not quite in dreaming sleep, but they're not awake. And what that actually is, is when you go into dreaming sleep, your major muscle groups get paralyzed, actually, which is a mechanism that keeps you from getting up and running around and acting out your dreams and hurting yourself. So that feeling, the physical feelings that you have when your body muscles start to paralyze is very similar to what you would feel like if you were awake and you were falling. So it's actually reflecting something that's happening physiologically for you. I see, I see. Uh, you mentioned a little bit in your book, I guess, about the difference between dreams and, and nightmares. I wonder if you could comment a little bit about that. Yeah, nightmares are basically just anxiety-provoking dreams or dreams in which people are afraid. And dreams are any other kind of dream in which there's not, you know, a lot of fear. Nightmares typically occur for people when they're going through a difficult time or they've had a trauma. Um, People who've had different kinds of traumas tend to report more nightmares. People here after the Oakland firestorm and certainly after earthquakes report a lot more nightmares than they, they typically would. People have chronic nightmares. That sometimes can be a problem, and I would urge anybody who does have chronic nightmares and is concerned about them to seek some professional help with them because it's relatively easy to stop them. There are several ways that I give in my book for how to ease nightmares if you're having them. And there are a variety of other causes, like medication can cause nightmares frequently. The flu, certainly fevers can cause them too. 
think I've had a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So one of the interesting things about your book, uh, which would seem different from other dream books, is that you actually go to great lengths to actually maybe not provide specific interpretations for dreams, but more how to interpret the dreams within a context. I'm if you yeah. Help. It's really important for people to be given the ability to interpret their own dreams because really it's, it's a cliche, but it is also very true that nobody else can really interpret your dream. Nobody else is inside your head or has had your experience. There's really only one universal symbol that everyone agrees on, uh, and that's water. And the symbolism of water in dreams and also in art, it seems cross-culturally, seems to be very deep emotion, uh, life force emotion. Um, and in psychological terms, it's the unconscious, unconscious emotion. So people, for instance, will have a dream where there's a tidal wave coming and they're very afraid and they don't know what's going to happen. And that's, that, that's a very common dream for people who are just about to undergo something that's very difficult and they're not sure if they can cope with it or not. But other than that, dreams are very individual. So what I tried to do was in the first half of the book, I answered the most common questions I've ever received, about 40 or 45 of them about dreams. And then in the second half of the book, I give a dream dictionary of images that come from anthropology and mythology all over the world and also psychology to try to give people uh, different options for the way in which these different elements have been used in the images that we see in the media and books and fairy tales and so on and so forth so that those images may actually represent one of those things for a person in a dream that they might not have thought of. So it's kind of a way to key your, your ability to interpret your own dreams. So, so what are some of the most interesting dreams you come across in your uh, your practice? Oh, <laughs> I have heard so many, and you know it's funny because people will be a little shy. You know, they'll be afraid. Oh no, what if I tell her this dream? But I've really heard everything, yeah. and and it's interesting because people will tell you the most incredible things. They'll say, for instance, oh, you know, I had this dream that we were having breakfast, and suddenly I felt so angry, and I picked up a knife and I killed you, and then they'll laugh. <laughs> you know, this is so funny. And of course, you're sitting there going, oh my goodness. You're Are you mad at me or something? Do I represent something in yourself you're trying to get rid of? Um, I don't know. I think every single dream I've ever heard is really interesting. I'm very interested in the way in which people's imaginations and psyches kind of get expressed in their dreams. One dream that I just heard recently was a dream that a woman had of her own mother, and she'd had these difficulties with her mother, so this is a difficult dream. It was a difficult time for her, and her mother had had died about maybe six or seven months before at kind of a bad time in their relationship, a young woman I'm speaking of, and you know, she dreamed that she was on the top of this mountain, and, and there was lightning and thunder and clouds, dark clouds, and her mother was standing up at the top of this mountain in some kind of circle, chanting some kind of evil word, and it was very dramatic. It was just dramatic, and she woke up, and she said, you know, it was so interesting for her because she realized at that moment that she had been seeing her mother, this person, as a very evil being, and she realized how exaggerated that really was. It was almost like it was a movie, that her mother was this very sort of powerful, witch-like woman, and (laughs) And it was really helpful to her to realize, you know, wow, you know, my mom's really just a person, and I really was putting a lot of stuff on her that probably didn't belong there. I also get a lot of dreams that are just fun dreams from people, too, like dreams that they're flying. That's a common one, that they're, you know, they're flying, they're unfettered, they feel free, they're soaring, they're they're in a great place in themselves. Lots of dreams about people, like I said, who turn into other people, or people who have in their dreams some kind of a resolution with someone, for instance, who has died, 
or somebody who's been estranged, which tends to change the feeling when they're awake and help them to reconcile the meaning of the relationship in their lives. Well, it looks like we are running a little bit out of time, but you were in the Bay Area giving some talks. I'm wondering if there's some other talks coming up that people might be able to attend. I don't think there's anything scheduled in the next couple of weeks, but I tend to put my appearances on my website, which is, again, drtone.com, and I also have excerpts from my book, Every Dream Interpreted, on there. Okay, very good. Uh, I'm curious, uh, just sort of a final note, is there any other uh, resources I guess people can use uh, for looking at their dreams, or are there any upcoming works from you that uh, we might be able to look forward to? Well, we shall see. (laughs) I be writing another dream book, I'm not sure. I think there are actually a lot of really good resource references in the back of my book, and I, I do have some links on my website to various you know dream associations and things people might want to take a look at. The Association for the Study of Dreams is a really good resource. They also have a website. All right, excellent. Uh, well, it was certainly a very fascinating discussion, and uh, I hope people will be paying more attention to the dreams now. Uh, Dr. Tony, thank you very much for joining us today on Berkeley Rocks. Thank you so much. You were just listening to Dr. Veronica Tone discussing the meaning of dreams, which can also be found in her book, Every Dream Interpreted, available in bookstores now. You're listening to Berkeley Grox, only here on 90.7 FM, KALX. Well, coming up next, you can find out what is heavy water, so stay tuned. to Berkeley Grox, only here on 90.7 FM, KALX. Well, have you ever wondered what makes skin heal? You can find out on this week's edition of Everyday Science. I've got you under my skin. Ever wonder how skin heals? The answer can be found in Everyday Science. All those serious wounds need a little help from modern medicine. Ordinary cuts and scrapes heal quite nicely on their own. Take a typical nick from your average kitchen knife. Ow! If we were to slip inside that painful sliver and travel past the outer layer of skin down to dermis, which is the second layer of skin, we'd see several microscopic inhabitants of the dermis that have already sprung into action to repair the damage. One is a white blood cell called a phagocyte. These cells envelop the cut and clean up damaged cells and loose strands of skin by digesting them, along with any bacteria in the area. Another relief worker, called a mast cell, brings a chemical that expands the surrounding capillaries enough to keep red blood cells in, but let clear liquid in the blood seep out. This fluid swells the dermis around the cut, and along with an increased blood flow that comes with the expanded capillaries, Extra warmth is created that the phagocytes need to work faster. And look, the fibroblasts are also hard at work. Like tiny weavers, these cells act as fiber makers in the dermis to patch up torn edges of the skin and reweave a brand new layer. Hear that? During the entire process, 
The blood has been clotting up there on the surface, forming a protective covering. Of course, that covering is the scab, which will stay there until the cut heals. Thanks for letting us get under your skin today, and for being a part of Everyday Science. Everyday Science is part of Bayer Corporation's national education program, making science make sense. Oh, Everyday Science lady, sure you can heal my skin, but how are you going to mend my broken heart? Huh. And now it's time for the answer to last week's question of the week with the Tokyo Kid. Take it away. Okay, and uh, welcome back. This is uh, Tokyo Kid again with uh, this week's uh, answer to last week's uh, question of the week. <laughs> Uh, what is uh, heavy water? Heavy water, it turns out, is uh, exactly the same as water, except the hydrogen contains a proton and neutron, so it is a little bit heavier. And uh, overall, the heavy water is about 10% heavier than uh, regular water. And this is uh, used in the nuclear reactors to slow down these nuclear reactions. Also, if you drink heavy water, it will kill you because uh, it will slow down some of your biochemical processes. And that is what the heavy water is. Ah, thank you very much, sir. Aha! Oh-ho! And now it is the time for Frenchy French with this week's question of the week. Ah, the Fibonacci series. You know what it is, so do you. Ah, but how do you generate the Fibonacci numbers, huh? Oh-ho-ho! If you know the answer, or just think you know the answer, hey, give us a ring here at gox at hotmail.com. You're not going to win anything, but oh-ho-ho! You just might be a little bit more Fibonacci. And that's all for this week's edition of Berkeley Grocks. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Berkeley Grocks, email us at grocks at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grocks, I'm Franklin. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grocks.net. Have a great afternoon and stay tuned for more music with your host, Katie.